Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast. It has been 50 shows, three seasons of the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to this, our uh, 50th show. And we have a very special guest, the new Autobahn Country Club instructor, Ben Hasbrook. Ben's been around the club for a very, very long time, and this year he took over the position that uh, the legendary Tom Bagley had as he retired. Uh, Tom retired from instructing at the club, but he's still around. I've seen him in quite a few of the Miata races running around there, and this episode, we spent uh, some time at the clubhouse uh, last Friday night where we had a few cocktails and some appetizers, which was the first for the podcast here as we uh, enjoyed some drinks while we interviewed a guest. Ben was delightful to have on. He was a lot of fun. And as I mentioned, he's been around the club since he was a young man, and now he's a full-time instructor there. As our 50th show winds down here, we only have one more show for the season. As the club, the main portion of the club, the track, closes down at the end of October. And it will, of course, reopen the 1st of April. But during those winter months, sometimes there's quite a bit of activity going on. And so next show will be hosted by producer Mark McFarland and I as we recap 2020, the season, everything that took place. And also, we highlight uh, some of the activities that are going to take place over the winter months. So please join us for both. And now, let's welcome Ben Hasbrook on the Audubon Country Club podcast. Wow, this is the first eating and drinking Audubon Country Club podcast we've done. Oh, perfect. It is perfect. Say your name for me. Well, now I have food in my mouth. <laughs> ben Hasbrook here. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. It is Friday night, and we have a giant, or ginormous, I believe is the actual term, Bavarian pretzel, which looks fantastic, and we have cheese curds. What are you drinking? Oh, we're drinking some Tito's right now. You think you, you have a Moscow Mule coming, right? I do so have a Moscow. we're sticking to vodka tonight. Yeah, my Moscow Mule's coming, so I think it'll go great with the cheese curds, which I haven't had one yet. I don't know if I've had the cheese curds. I do have to say I feel slightly overdressed in my three-piece tuxedo right now, but I thought you would come top game as kind of a late-night food thing, that you would come dressed a little bit better, <laughs> disappointed. It is. Sorry, we don't have men. Oh, that's Okay. All right, thank you. We'll survive. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, here, cheers. Cheers. Uh, my Moscow Mule's here. And, yes, it is an audio podcast, so you actually didn't need to yeah. put the tuxedo on. A lot mm. of people don't have tuxedos nowadays. No. You've got to go all out for these kind of things here, though. It mentally prepares you. And yeah. I, I did read a story one time that, or some self-help book that said, even if you work at home, put... Take a shower, get up, put clothes on, and then go to work. You'll have you'll be more productive. See, I heard the opposite. Stay in your pajamas. No, you put you put uh, clothes on at home, and then come into work in your pajamas and as casual as possible. Brussels <laughs> mm. good. So, what do you want to know? Well, 
How does this go here? Well, generally it starts with, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Wicker Park in Chicago. Um, the long, long time ago of 1993, so I'm actually 27 years old, despite the fact that half the people here think I'm like 40 and get crap for that every now and then. <laughs> but um, yeah, I grew up in Wicker Park, lived on there in my early 20s, and had a lot of fun down in the city for years. And now I'm actually living pretty close by here, fairly close. Yeah, really close. Right. <laughs> so. so uh, you grew up in Wicker Park. What, you, what, what did you, where were your parents from? Are they from around there? Um, yeah, so my, my mom is from uh, Detroit area originally, and my dad is from the suburbs of Chicago. He's in Palos Park area. And so he's an architect. He was a member here when the place first opened. Oh. And he does architecture. My mom does real estate. And so I ended up in Wicker Park. They started doing commercial and residential development projects in Wicker Park in the late 70s, so kind of before the big boom of when it was a happening area, and did a ton of projects through through Wicker Park and Bucktown, kind of really helped form what it is today, realistically. I always give them crap that they ruined the neighborhood, because they moved out of the neighborhood before I did, and kind of became like a strip mall, but still was a lot of fun. There was a lot of fun bars there, and met a lot of cool people, and kind of became a foodie and a going out person because of that whole area and living around there and so that's kind of one of my big hobbies is food and going out and testing different food places nice nice yeah and uh the, yeah i'm gonna have another mm. one look that's a heart-shaped they're pretty addicting heart-shaped uh cheese curds um so have you always been into cars when did your love of cars start so got into cars obviously probably like I don't have no idea how little I would have been, but just playing with Matchbox cars and all of that. And then started racing go-karts from as soon as they would kind of let me get into one. Um, and probably like six or seven was my first probably actual go-kart experience and kind of did whatever races I could at the time. And then once I got out here, that's when it really took off, though. Where, where, you go, where were you go-karting? Um... A few places like smaller tracks in Wisconsin and stuff. When I was really little, a few places that were much, much smaller places. Mm -hmm. um, there was Norway out here. Um, but yeah, I started traveling kind of a little bit later uh, once I got a little bit older and doing some of the circuits and running some different places there. So, uh, so after, is that where you graduated high school there? And so I actually went to high school up at Loyola Academy in Wilmette. Um, so I went up there commuted every day on the train, which was pretty brutal as a kid to have to wake up at 5.50 in the morning and hop on a train. Um, but I was always known as like kind of the car, big car person up there too, which was kind of funny. So I was, So is that is that a, a private school, I guess? Yeah, it was a Catholic school. Private Catholic yeah. school? And um, is that the one in the Blues Brothers? No, no. it's not. No, this was all the way up, <laughs> up north, yeah. Uh, so... What's your first memory of coming out here? Um, and this is maybe this is a bad theme, but I, I've definitely got yelled at my fair share of things. But my first memory was probably April of 2005. There was a, a Lotus manufacturer event that was done through the Nuzios, who are actually members here. It used to be called Fox Valley Motor Cars back then. 
but they brought all these people and cars out to the track and kind of what we still do to this day in terms of manufacturers events. So it's cool to see that those kind of things are still happening. But they had brought out like the guy who designed the suspension for the car, the Lotus Elise, and all these different things. Wow. And back then it was the same kind of rules where you had to be 18 to technically go for a ride. And I don't know if we didn't get the message or what, but <laughs> somehow I ended up in a car with the guy and we were flying. We were probably doing like 120 on North Track in like a lot of stock Lotus Elise and very quickly got black flagged. So, but I do have a picture from that day and it's kind of cool. I'm standing in the pit lane with a bunch of Lotuses and then in the background, Team Stradali and all those buildings, Team Stradali is being framed out in the photo and none of the buildings are back there. And so it's just kind of a cool old, old throwback to it there. Oh yeah, that is cool. So, so that was 2005, so you were what, 12, 13 years old? I would have been 11, 11. Or, or yeah, it was, or no, I would have been 12, yeah. Wow. And so then it just started, was your dad coming out here a lot? Was yeah, he... so he was really into it for a long time. Um, did a lot of just track stuff, never really raced, but just total track guy, just coming out as much as possible. And back then in the summers, I would come down even during the week um, and it's a well-known thing. Like I was used to have like my babysitters would drop me off here. No way. <laughs> and they'd, uh, they'd leave, leave me down at the cart track because parents had to work during the week and I'd just come down and get as much track time as possible. And kind of a cool thing about it was it was just an awesome place to eventually grow up at, you know, and definitely got hooked right from the start. Wow, and that's cool. Met and just tons of awesome people. One funny story was I met to this day one of my best friends and out here because my babysitters left me at the car track and I got in an argument with them and said, I'll find my own way home all the way back to the city. And so I kind of, <laughs> my, baby, my babysitter left me. They're, they weren't the best. They were kind of DePaul students and things like that, some young, young kid babysitters. And so she left and I walked from the car track all the way back down here and walked into the bar and said, is anybody, and I was, I think I must have been 13 at that time, and said, is anybody going back to the city? And one person was like, yeah, I'm going back to the city. What, what do you need? I'm like, can I get a ride? And so it's always been a joke with us of how irresponsible my babysitters were at the time. But since then, we've become very good friends and hang out a bunch. Oh, man. Do you have brothers and sisters? Or? Nope. Only child. So. And so what... So when you're coming out here, they weren't, they weren't cart ra were they cart racing back then or any, any type of cart racing going on? So the cart racing, it kind of was weird throughout the years. We had the smaller track, and right when the first year or two, there weren't really races. It was kind of just, everybody was kind of just figuring it out, and you had a few people that had done pre previous stuff and been around carts and obviously done their research on them. Then you had people that really just were like, oh, I'm joining this club. Oh, they have a cart track, I'll get a cart kind of a thing. So the first year or two, there wasn't a ton of racing, but then it, it really picked up because for a long time, we actually had a really good group of people down there running a lot. And so we were all running kind of two-stroke single speeds and there was something called a DD2, which was a two-stroke two-speed with paddles. Um, and then people had shifter carts too. So for a solid four or five years, probably starting in 06 or 07, we had a really good group of guys and there were races kind of happening down there and um, some really good kind of competition and just a lot of fun even on the smaller track. 
So, so yes, there, there were races down there back in the day. And, and the, it's weird because now it's kind of making this kind of reemergence in the club. And it's like, oh, it's cool to see. Because for a little while, it did get a little quiet down there when kind of some of those guys grew out of it or started right. getting more into cars and things like that. But for a while, you could go down there on a weekend and you'd have 10, 15 guys every weekend driving two-stroke carts, oh, not wow. even the Ignites. So. so it was really cool for a little bit down there. And I was always one of the, pretty much the youngest one down there that was running the adult carts and stuff, obviously. Brett ran, but he was kind of like started in the junior carts and things like that. So I was kind of, when the club opened, I was kind of in that in-between age of just kind of jumped right into some of the bigger carts and got to hang out with the big boys, which was pretty cool too. <laughs> When's the first time you got an actual car on the track? Here, I was 16. I did... Formula Skip Barber stuff before that, but Autobahn was pretty strict about with their, in the early days, you had to be 16, you had to ride with an instructor or um, or your parent had to be in the car. You could not get signed off as Tony or I, we did with uh, Mitch, for example, we kind of build them up, make sure that they're going to be safe, then get them yeah, signed off to Mitchell, go outside. Yeah, yeah. so when did the Skip Barber stuff wasn't here. No. Down at the Barber? Yeah, so I did it at uh, uh, Road Atlanta. And okay. So I did it there and a couple other places, and so I did a couple things with them, and just always for fun. So, what, so at 16, you get on, what was, first, what was the first car you drove? So I drove, my dad had a Lotus Elise that was completely built up and made probably one of the most horsepower Lotus Elise is out there. He had a crazy supercharger, engines with an engine swap, and all sorts of other stuff to undo it. And actually, a funny story about that is, is so I had done some of the Formula Skip Barber stuff in the past, and when I got in uh, the car, I did, it was the beginning of April, and I went out with Tom Bagley, and the car had just been gone through. And so we go out on our kind of warm-up lap and so we get back to South Strait and so I'm starting to push a little bit harder, a little bit harder. We get to the end of South Strait and I hit the brake and the brake just goes down and it was a full track day too on top of this. So I get to the end of the South Strait and I hit the brake and the brake just goes to the floor. Nothing happens. And so I've never experienced anything like this before like and I'm thinking this is now probably one of the quickest I've gone um, because in carts and stuff on this track uh -huh. you're going quite a bit slower. And uh, so I ended up just thinking, well, there's end of the tracks coming up, so I money shifted it. And so, <laughs> so the car goes into limp mode, and Bagley had no clue that anything was even wrong. So we come out of turn, uh, turn 12, and he's like, all right, go, go, go. I'm like, something's not right. <laughs> and like, I'm amazed that he had like heard the car probably sounded, probably sounded horrible when I did it. But um, he's, he's like, oh, okay, we'll come in and some. At this point, I'm like taking it really easy because the brake pedal's still not doing anything. So I kind of like limped it back in, and it's not happy and flashing at, and the lights are flashing at me, and came back in, and I'm like, yeah, something's wrong with it. It turns out one of the bleeder valves for the brakes wasn't all the way shut when they went through it, so it had pushed out all the brake fluid. So it wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong, but I definitely felt bad about that when it happened. I'm like, great, my first lap out here uh, is do, doing the engine on a car, but. Luckily, there was a whole bunch of brake fluid as evidence all over the calipers and rotor and inside of the wheel of one of the one of the wheels. So, wasn't my fault. But yeah, that's my first memory of being on track at Audubon Country Club. 
<laughs> well, um, uh, so you're, unfortunately, you're talking. I noticed that my drink, my uh, Moscow Mule, is almost gone. Well, I'm on my second one. Oh, and I can definitely I was, catch up. But. I was very concerned that that I was drinking too much. So we don't have far to go tonight. So it'll it'll be fine. And that's the way to do it. And I mean, it's perfect to go over this while we're talking about drinks and not going very far. But one of the cool things I've lately, I've been telling people out here is, you know, really getting involved with the social side of things, like kind of hanging out and communicating with people. And when you have a place or you do stay here, it is a lot of fun to hang out and meet people that have some drinks. One member was telling me they used to have a little individual garage and they ended up getting a building. They're like, you know, never knew that like all this fun stuff happened out here and everybody just kind of hangs out late here and socializes as much as they do until we actually had a place to stay. But even if you don't, you know, there's still always fun stuff happening. <laughs> we're trying to get more and more fun events going. We have our tequila and shooting. Well, not in that's that right. Unfortunately, that's, that's tomorrow. So this will come out a few days after. after well, we have a, we're going to do another one this year. So, yeah, you have um, clays and cocktails you've been hosting. So we're, I don't want to – the Tito's is affecting me. I, I, I keep these – Interview straight and narrow. So you're 16. Oh, we're going all over. No, the no, six, it, it, that's Kyle's problem. So we're 16 years old. You're 16 years old, not me. I was. No <laughs> we're idea. jumping back to that. So yeah, so I got to keep this on on track here. So 16 years old, you take the lease out. It was pretty much all track driving at that time. So I was able to go out um, if Tony or Tom would go out with me, or any lease. Yeah, what or my yeah. dad came out. Um, and of course, when I turned 18, the day, the year that I turned 18, they changed the rules so that that didn't apply anymore. And you had to be 18 to race back then. Oh. So the rules were a little bit different. Whereas, like to get out and do those things, I couldn't like go out and do a spec Miata race or things like that underage. So, so yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. It was what it, those were the rules. So, uh oh, trouble. Uh, no, uh, to the Are office. Yeah, you can have one. Thank you. Oh, See, good. never off the clock. Never off. Never the have clock. to stride. <laughs> so he's got to be working here for. That was Boba, everybody. Great, great auto detailing service at the Autobahn Country Club. Yeah, Boba. He <laughs> needed a key to the office. Um, yeah, we're sitting in the. We're we're in the clubhouse. Maybe you should slow down on that drink. You don't even know where we are. The back, <laughs> the back, the back of the club. I didn't have much to eat today because I knew I was beaten. The back of the clubhouse is where we are now, watching uh, NASA guys for this week. They're going to be racing this week, and they're going around. Those are the cars you hear because it is almost 5:30 on uh, Friday the second. Yeah, Friday the second, and tomorrow is the. Clays and well, cocktails. no, now I'm going to jump back on you here and go back to 16, actually. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> Keep me on track. <laughs> yeah. All right. I locked it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, kettle one? Tito's. Oh, Tito's. Tito's is good. He's got it. He needs to interview you next time. So. Uh, you want to be on the podcast? No. I used to. <laughs> well, <laughs> you very, are. You, very guess direct. what? You are now. Yeah, you're being recorded right now, so say hello. I already gave you a shout out. Okay. I used to be on now. Brian's yeah, Drive Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. He's okay, so he he might have a little bit up on me on experience. But I'm good. Cool. Well he's doing uh <laughs> doing uh 
internet stuff now with, uh, what's her name? Laura. Anyway, they do a, like, his turn, her turn, and they do the, they test drive. He goes all over the world. Yeah, I would, that would be great. I would like to do that job. Yeah. But what would, you know, we want to have you on the podcast to talk about detailing cars. That would be great. I would be more than willing to do that. Sweet. You just have to catch me when I'm not working. Got it. Which is well, I, I also recommend making it fun for yourself because he's never done. He's done like 50 of these, and they've never done one where they ate food or drink. So I made so it. So we're eat, we're eating and drinking <laughs> during the interview. All right, I'm going home, guys. All right. Good night. Have a great weekend. I'll keep us on track. Back to 16. 16. So, there you go. Um, and it's really cool because I've been instructing out here for seven years, but this is my first full-time year. Wow, so since working you were 20. Full-time. Yep. Wow. And I had done instructing at different car tracks. I instruct, I was a lead instructor at an indoor car track for three years uh, when I was 16 to 19. Oh, wow. Um, and like ran kind of their school and everything like that at this indoor car place in Melrose Park, which no longer exists, but was a lot of fun. Um, but anyways, when I started, you know, I had Tom and Tony teaching me and all these really cool people to look up to. And a cool thing that we're doing now is, is we've kind of put together a ladder system to get 16-year-olds kind of, when they turn 16, they can get onto the big track. And we can... Um, take them from running on the cart track now to getting them comfortable driving manual and getting them going in those and figuring out stick shift to actually getting them on track to eventually getting them racing. So it's cool to me, for me at least, to look back at, to think like, you know, like I've looked up to Tony and Tom forever and now I'm getting to help do now the you, same thing. You are Tony that, and yeah, Tom. So, not exactly, let's be realistic. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's really cool to think about that it's how how far like I've gotten to go with and be part of this place. So yeah, I mean, as the listeners have probably talked about, my son who's 16, who's actually started rally, rally in the rally cars, and we did that here. That was actually the first stuff that he did, really. And then from rally cars, he went to carts, more carts, to Miatas and uh, Lucas Oil schools. Been through all of your the race school here, which was fantastic. So he, he, my son, you have to have, you go to the race school, two-day race school, which if we, I did a podcast on it. We talked about it in depth. I did listen to that podcast. Yes, because the race school is, <laughs> is fantastic. Now, you do the race school, and you have to have three races that year to get your license. So you have a provisional license, mm-hmm. three races, and you get your real license. I did one race this year, one GT race. Darn it. I'm going to have to retake the school next year. Oh, darn the luck. That's above my pay grade there. Wrong yeah, person but I ask. look forward <laughs> to taking... But you'll get more, you'll get more lessons and advice. I, well, yes, because it was fantastic. Go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, it was earlier this summer, maybe... Can never get enough practice. No, Well, why fantastic. aren't you racing is the better question. You, you've jumped around for some cars. That's a I good, that's a, that's a good question. So... Um, me, like some of the other fathers down at the car track, uh, we have put all of our energy and effort into other people in our family. My daughter, kart racer. My son, kart racer slash Miata racer. My ro- wife, came in racer slash kart racer, 
who I just overtook in the Kart Chase Race Championship by 10 points, the last doubleheader. So right now in the championship with two races to go, she beat me last year. I got third in the championship last year based on the doubleheader of the last year. I was the last day, last race. I was at a good second, and um, Anthony Redina got caught me at the last on the last day, who was sick, who wasn't even supposed to be racing. He was sick, and he got out there and beat me. Anyway, he got second. So right now, going into the championship here, I'm leading her by 10 points. So she was all concerned this past weekend and calculating what she had to do. I go, look, you just win the last two races, you'll beat me by 10 points. If I win one, and oh. I, I plan ahead. Whoa. <laughs> Hi. Um, Yes, thanks. Maddie, right? Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh, wait, I wasn't really done with that, so, I mean, I'll take another. John's having issues here. I, I already explained the scenario to Maddie, who's helping serve our drinks tonight, that you need to just keep them coming, so I just got re restocked on mine, and John has to actually order Well, you one. have a glass glass, and I have a <laughs> copper mug. She can't tell that I'm done. It's experience, though. That's, that's, why, you right. get, that's, that's why you get what you experience, get. Experience, right? Yeah, you have to that's... know what to order. Yeah, you got to know so that they know. And Maddie's great. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. So what was I talking about? Oh, race school. Yes. I didn't race. Okay, so <clears throat> my son finished his third race this past weekend, so he should get his license. And then we're going to take that license and move to Midwest Council and SCCA, we hope, however that merges on. He's also doing the Lucas Oil Advanced Racing School down at Sebring. We're really looking forward to that next month and or actually... It's, yeah, next month, because it is October. So that does something for him. I'm not sure what it does for racing. Anyway, I wanted to race in the GT race, because when I interviewed uh, Lee Martino, she and her uh, father were uh, radical racing. John, who's a wonderful person who helped. Great story. I got a great story about him, how he took care of my wife. But anyway... Uh, they were always concerned when they were racing together where everybody else, where they were on the track. <clears throat> so they decided not to race together because if they didn't see each other, they got worried. And I go, that's, I could see myself doing that. So I didn't want to race Miatas. So I got a GT car this year. <clears throat> and it was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was awesome. It was a beautiful car. It was great. 400 horsepower at the wheels. GT3 class, went through all the stuff, got it ready to go, and I did one race. Race was great. Uh, about the second lap, we're three wide through turn six or seven on the south track, three wide. And the only thing I did, please don't scratch my car. And I knew at that point when I said that, I probably wasn't going to be the right <laughs> racer. <laughs> um, That's why we, I mean, you can't go wrong with Miata. You can... You're not quite as worried about pushing it a little bit more, and depending upon which one you get. I mean, there are plenty of expensive ones out right. there. Right, and I could have got a Miata probably equally the price. I had a uh, 2013 Boss 302. Not that as an instructor I'm recommending that you attempt to scratch it up or go off track or anything like no, that. No, but <laughs> I, I get it. And so I recently just sold that. Sorry, listeners, yes, my Boss 302 S, the beautiful school bus yellow Parnelli Jones colors, is gone. And uh, I got another Miata. So I think I might actually race with him. And, and Michael Benet, I asked, I asked him, I said, uh, who's a member here, sons, sons both race. 
I said, hey, did you ever worry about when you get out there and you're on the same, you know, the same, were you ever worried about your son? He goes, no. He goes, I wanted to go wheel to wheel with my son around turn one. And I thought, I can do that. I can, because that, and, I, and again, I talk about that in the podcast. I was out there with my son. First time he was in a car by himself was going through the race school. I'm next to him. We're going side by side doing racing drills, passing drills. It was fantastic. And that's another cool thing. And you tell this to people, especially when people are joining about the same time and stuff, is that you kind of end up teaming up with somebody. So whether it's age group, and that's the really cool thing about Algiers and, and in racing in general, is you don't have that age barrier. Everybody kind of gets along. You're all into the same crazy hobby. But anyways, when you start off, the person next to you, it doesn't matter how old they are, they're learning with you. You know, it's like they're at the same level. Right. They're just starting off too. So you have the opportunity where you can both progress at the same level, you know, and you can be running at the same level with him, which Thanks, is man. really cool too. Right. He's way faster than I ever was. I'm not sure how he got faster because I've been tracking a long time on the real, I mean, not Lack cars. of fear. Lack of fear, right. As my wife says that all the time, yeah. So Lack I, of fear, not having to pick up the check quite yet. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I was, yeah, I mean, he's got it. I can't even, 10 to 1 cart seat time, but I still have more car time. But, yeah, he's south track. He's three seconds faster than me or something. I'm not even sure if I qualify for the race. Well, I got a new Miata, though. I don't know if he's going to get the new one or the old one. So we'll keep the one You get got. the first race in the new one, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, uh, Mitch. <laughs> sorry, Mitch. You can't race the new Miata. Um, uh, so 16. So you're coming out here. You're getting in. Did you... What was it? So you're in the Lotus primarily, right? Um, and then what kind? And of over that time too, I was traveling, doing go karting too. Oh, traveling. so I was doing travel karting and um, single speed and DD2 series Rotax. So traveling, doing that as well. But yeah, so it did came out. We'll we'll stick to here. We got to stay focused. We got to really <laughs> focus this thing down right now. <laughs> but yeah, so was doing that for a long time. Um, and there was a, here's how I met Tony Kester, and this is, we're still in the teenage uh, years, so I can bring this story yes, up. Yes, you can do that. So back in the day, we used to do a teen day. It was exactly like the ladies' day, but it was for teens. And I told him I was going to tell this story, and he told me, one, he was like, you were very impressed that he only had, you only had to uh, beep him out on swear words twice. Yes, that was true, yes. So I'm going to yeah. use my two swear words by quoting Tony Quester, am I allowed to say the swear word and then you do that in post now? You beep that out? Sure. <laughs> I guess. So we uh, did this team day, and so in the morning we go out, and back back then we had a, a BMW that Tony had built as the skid car, so he could actually maneuver all the different corners of the car. Really? So in the and you, he could lift an individual corner up off the ground and things like that. From inside the car? From inside the car. No way. So it was really cool. But so... The group was pretty small. There was maybe six of us or something that actually showed up to do it. Because even, even to this day, it's good to see that younger people are doing it. But especially in the beginning days, there were not many young people. And um, so we went out. We did the drills. We kind of did all this stuff. And then in the morning, this one, and I have no clue who it was. I've never seen him since that day. But he asked, <laughs> he said, hey, you know, if nothing's going on over here, can we go out and drive the skid car in the afternoon? And this is my first time meeting Tony. This is like a, because he came actually a little bit after the club opened. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. 
And so in the afternoon, I'm kind of hanging out by the car track, and I start seeing the skid car go around. And I'm like, oh, cool, we can go back out and do it. So I go over there, and this kid's in it. And I get in, and I'm like, oh, we can do it. He's like, yeah, it's fine. So I, I'm riding with this kid for like 40 minutes in the skid car. We're just having a blast, 45 minutes or so. He gets out, I get in. It must have been within two, three minutes. Tony Kester comes flying up and see him come just, and, he, and as soon as he pulls up, I mean, he came straight onto the skip and we stopped because we're thinking he's going to come talk to us and give us some pointers or something. Help us out, teach so us. Like, sure. yeah, we're, so I come to a stop and I got the biggest smile on my face I, I could have. fun, yeah. What the f are you doing in my car? Get the f out of there. Uh, and he is just livid. And it was, and eventually, I, like, so I get out, and, like, I'm, like, oh, like, I'm freaked <laughs> out, like, but, so eventually, I did explain to him, like, and the other kid, luckily, was nice enough, too, to be, like, you know, hey, I misunderstood. I thought if nothing was going, the car had just been sitting there, so he, we, um, mis that he had misunderstood, oh, the car's sitting there. If nothing's going on, you can go. I see him. I'm, like, yep, I'm yeah, going to oh, go. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> right. And then, of course, like, I literally get two minutes at it and then get busted for it. <laughs> he um, got 40 and you get two. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, this doesn't seem very fair. But he, luckily, he was a few years older than me and went and explained as well, like, hey, this is what happened. And somehow, a few years later, Tony gave me a job. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But I think I've been yelled at by just about everybody over the course of, course of the years over here, you know. Oh, awesome. I yeah. also remember one time being in a lifted off-road uh, golf cart, and I took a whole bunch of the employees from the cart track off-roading and uh, back before the skid pad existed. And I came back on to the track, and we came down the pit lane of the go-kart track, and I left these two just huge mud things down the whole entire cart track. And then Gritter came up and was very upset with me that I took the employees, quote, mudding. And that was the first time that I ever heard the word mudding. Muddy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take the employees mudding. I'm sorry, everybody, for telling these stories. <laughs> no, no, this is great. Because you, at grow, I mean, you were one of the first kids probably growing up here, right? I mean, hang, I mean. Really, back then, it was very, very weird because I don't really remember many people my age coming out like it was much more of kind of the adult thing to kind of come and do and there weren't a lot of kids even carting back then there weren't many kid carts down there it was much more of a kind of 20s and up kind of scene and it was very cool to grow up around that and even to this day it really does grow you up make you grow up fast because like I said, there is that not that age gap. Everybody's doing kind of trying to race and be quick and things like that and into cars. So it's like it's cool to see the younger kids where it's like I look at them like seeing all these 16-year-olds now and coming into it. And now I'm 10 years older than they are. And it's like cool to, that you can kind of joke with them and talk to them as adults because they're out there racing. You treat them as an adult, you know. We, right. And it's a huge – I mean, I bring both – so my daughter's 13, my son's 16. And we come out here and we'll, you know, pull our camper around and, and we'll camp out here. Or, or And sometimes I don't even see them. I mean, when the sun goes down, there's so many kids. I don't say so many, but there are times when there's a lot of kids out here and they just start hanging out and they'll play hide-and-go-seek and they'll, they'll be running around and they're just having so much fun 
the social aspect for them is fantastic. And sometimes I don't even, you know, I'm not quite sure. I know we're in a gated community, basically, and I'm not sure where my son is actually sleeping for the night because yeah. he's got so many buddies. He's got three different places, three different garages that he may or may not end up. And that's why, for me, it's awesome to see that that's what it's become. Now, for me, it was like, it was just all the older guys were just, I look back at it like it's funny. Maybe that's why people call me 40 and uh, it didn't age Because you've well. been around forever. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck sitting, like, I, yeah, I was maybe having a Coke or something at the bar, but I would sit at the bar with them 10 years ago. And, but, but, yeah, so it's, it, it has changed, but it's really cool to see what it's become, for sure. So when's the... So you're out here tracking, doing go-karting stuff, and I've seen you in a few different cars. I've what? driven a lot of different things. I've done, since then, I have done anything from Spec Miata to different GT cars to form, Formula Mazdas. Um, I've driven Radicals. I've kind of, I've been in pretty much pretty much all the different cars that there are out here and that are raced. Except for, uh, nobody wants to give me their 488 uh, GT3 race cars or anything like that. <laughs> I still don't understand why. They're probably just worried I'll go quicker, you know. Must be it. <laughs> I think my first time I met you was you showed up at the first rally car race. Yep. <clears throat> rally car race. And... Uh, that's my first memory of, of meeting you. And then I've just been around since then. That was years ago. So that one, I remember I showed up just thinking like, oh, this is this will be cool. Like, and see what's going on with this. And uh, Brian Helmentoller was there. And he had this white Chevy Cavalier that he had built for like $700. Yeah. And I was like just showing up to be like, oh, like maybe I'll try and, and build one, you know, like, let's see for seven hundred dollars like he's like if you want i'll split it with you he's like and he had already done everything and he's shoving tennis balls into the suspension of it to get it slightly raised and things like that and snow tires so i remember driving that and that, that was a lot of fun and i'm gonna we're working on it this is top secret don't tell anybody but we so we're tell, trying I won't, I won't tell anybody october 31st we're trying to do um kind of the final because we don't want to do the off-road things all the time we can't do them all the time because we drive places we're not supposed to and in the runoffs and things and tears up the grass. But we can do them a couple times a year. So I'm trying to get pushed for doing off-road and sporting clays on the 31st of October, Halloween. But also maybe getting some of the, the rally course track. I know we might see if we can do that. That might be a good idea. Well, I am so... And you can't go trick-or-treating with everything going on right now. So, you know, what's better than trick-or-treating? We might as well go rally right, cross. Might as well rally, right rally cross. And they made it really nice now. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, uh, Porsche, they worked on the track? Porsche did an event where uh, they came out and had it totally done by our landscaping crew where they made it nicer than it's ever looked out there. It looks amazing. Really? And they brought a whole bunch of wood chips where when it gets wet, it, they were putting down wood chips. So they actually did some good good little work out there. So it might be a good time to try and see if... Well, you we might, might have to talk to... Uh, I might talk to Kyle about that first thing in the morning and see if... Well, I built the first rally car track myself, personally. Now, that being said, I was the first one to ever do a lap of it in a, in a car. I would like you to know that as well. I did it in my 1999 street Mazda Miata 
which had lowered suspension on it. I was, and you had the little things. It was totally before it was plowed. You had put up little things of where you were going to go out with the tractor. Brian Lift and I went out there. Well, he used to be an instructor out here. And we ran it. There were still some ruts out there that probably did my suspension in. It did not like that. That car no longer runs due to suspension issues. So you maybe are to blame for that. You didn't get it done soon enough. And I think I came in after. <laughs> I think it was actually you guys ran it, and then I built it after you guys yes, ran exactly. it. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that well, I was going to come it out before it was built, but there was little flags out. <laughs> well, that's I didn't know that 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 my my track was better because I had was going to come out at the end of last year, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. But then, you know, once the winter comes and it starts raining, it won't dry out. So I didn't get out here to. To fix and then it, it freezes, and then it freezes, and yeah. you can't do anything. So, interesting, yeah. Um, I was actually just thinking about that the other day. I got a week off coming up, and I was going to do some work on it. But if Porsche already did it, I mean, that's fantastic. Well, you're not going to be there tomorrow, so you don't even get to see a little preview. Of it. Uh, I don't. I don't. Oh. Uh, yes. So, some of the, tell us about all what you do here. I mean, I mean, I see you everywhere doing everything. You are the face of the Audubon right now. So, technical <laughs> title, member relations and instructor, of course. So, bring all your problems to me. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's really what I'm here for. I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, we'll see where that, where I'll take it straight to the top is what I do with it. But, uh, <laughs> I have those kind of connections around here. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, but so yeah, main, the main thing is is really working on our programs um, and just kind of being around really guest orientations, new member orientations is a big part mm -hmm. of what I'm doing this year. So one kind of, it's really nice to have that kind of gap between the, um, bringing the person on board through the sales process. I'm part of saying, okay, we're gonna bring somebody out. We're going to go ahead show them the track, give them, mm -hmm. we give them a tour, those kind of things. But then they kind of have that same face kind of when they come in to do their first day as a member, giving them that orientation, telling them the rules of the club, things like that, through being like, okay, here's the further instruction that you need. So really kind of gap that connection of like, okay, one person's kind of saying, okay, let's, let's bring you into the club. Okay, then this is who you need to meet. And then I'm kind of there to kind of fill those gaps, I guess, or... I don't know if that was the intention, but that's that's how I'm trying to do it. So, yeah, I like that because when I <clears throat> when I had gone for my first high performance driving day with the Porsche Club of America, it was very clear instruction on what I had to do before I got on the track. I came out here for a, <clears throat> an orientation, got an orientation before I went on the track. But then once I joined as a member, it was like just turn loose. Yeah. I go, well, where's my class? You don't need to take a class; you're a member now. Yeah. Well, but I want to take a class. <laughs> and so that's what we're really trying to do with follow-up is kind of, one, we make sure that they know the rules, then provide that extra support, which Tony and I both do. We both do mm -hmm. a wide range of these things. And so you can come to either of us, and we'll kind of do a mix of getting you right, right out on track, doing a lead follow with you, your first ever time, never driven on track to gaining you a few extra tenths or hundredths of a second by looking at data and things like that, depending upon what your skill level is. But then also teaming you up with people, this is something we're gonna start working with the members committee on, is kind of 
working with you to kind of team you up with somebody with a similar car or similar interest or, oh, okay, you know, you're just joining as a member that just wants to do track time stuff. Okay, we'll team you up with another guy that has a similar car, just wants to do that kind of stuff too. Or it's like, oh, this guy races this car, he's going into GT, let's, you know, introduce him to these people. I'm just trying to introduce people to each other and things like that is, is kind of a big part of it as well. I, I think that's huge. You know, when, when, when and, we join, And that goes back to the social side of things that I keep saying. It's it, like right. introducing you and making it feel like a club. Hey, you know, have some fun out here. It's not just racing. You can learn a lot from all the people around you. And I always tell people, go up, and if you see some people sitting on the patio, go up and talk to them. You know, it's like you're, you're not going to very rarely, I would say almost never here. I haven't seen it. Are you going to sit down with somebody that's just in there and bring up cars, and you're not going to have a conversation to have with them? You know, absolutely. We, <clears throat> for us, I think the difference was we joined, and I wanted it to be a family event, and it really wasn't until Rallycross started that first year, and the social aspect afterwards. We'd come back to the clubhouse here. We'd order pizza. We'd have some beers, and that's when my wife fell in love with the place and fell in love with our friends who are still some of our closest friends. You mentioned Brian Helmetoller, amazing driver. Guy's amazing. And to have him as a mentor for me uh, and his whole family is, and they're amazing. They're his, awesome. his they're wife's so much fun. They come out for all the big party. And weekend. his wife's a great driver too. So my wife and, and his wife all got along. And, but it is intimidating. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're a new person or you're going to be a new person here, it's somewhat intimidating might not be the, the right word, but when we come in, you can hear my voice, you can see me, you can see, obviously they're going to know you since you're going to give them an orientation, but my wife and I go out of our way to introduce ourselves, get the, get their phone, get the new person's phone number and say, hey, text us, call us when you're going to be here. We'll be hanging out, whatever we can do to make this club go up, feel Go at up home. and... No- you're not going to have people shoot you off. Everybody's no one's going to do that. You make a good you know? point. He goes, if you come in and you don't know where to sit and you don't know where to, who to talk to, just sit down and say, "Hey, I'm so and so. I'm new. Can I sit down here?" Yeah. And that, that's a really good point because there's not a single person here that's not going to welcome you with open arms. Yeah. We might be distracted, and I, you know, my wife and I bring us up a lot when we come in here. We haven't seen our really good friends of the while. We're talking to them. We're hugging them from six feet, whatever, you know, and. You know, we're sitting down with them to, to talk. It doesn't mean we don't want to meet new people. My wife, the, when we did the track cross a few weeks ago, my wife met two or three new members and invited them to sit We've down. We've been getting a lot of new new members, a lot of new social members, too. And it's, it's cool to see a lot of people using the club and we've been doing his, his cigars and bourbon night. I guess that's Kyle's wheelhouse, but that was last that week. The bourbon. Was, has this that was been the bur- in, in the uh, in the podcast yet, or yeah. I so we had the we had the first test run of that. It wasn't the first. Well, there okay. used to be ATF recent recent test run, and a lot of stuff went on, and it, it didn't really. But that was an interesting. But that was last one. week. That was yeah, two so weeks that ago. That was an interesting one because we got a lot of people that were some of the kind of older crew of the club kind of came out that was like the old kind of fun crew came out and hung out for a while. Was there actually cigar smoking? Oh, there's that happens randomly on 
<laughs> random nights, but yes, there was quite a bit of cigar smoking on that night. Oh, very good, very good. And yeah. quite a bit of bourbon on that night, too. My mother-in-law was in town, and I'm going to miss the cars and clays. i got to go to work after the cart race tomorrow. This it's all right. You're not our target market. I'm not? You no, know, because I'm already here. That's right. Uh, I, I love... Uh, shooting and my my son came out and he shot. He came out the last one. Yeah, yeah, he did. Came out. Um, I came out one of the ones last year or a couple years ago. It was over Thanksgiving. It was a turkey thing. It, I think it was the I think it was the day after Thanksgiving. We did an off road event and I brought my brother in law and shooting, and it was great. Yeah, it was great. So how, let's talk, talk about shooting. Have you always been involved in shooting? And so yeah, I've always. So my big things are I love. Obviously, racing and cars and things like that. I, I mentioned I like food, as we've seen tonight by yes, our food. We're, uh, some also, you got to do multiple types of food. Um, shooting's definitely one of my big, big hobbies as well. Um, so I got, I have a good collection growing now, and every now and then I'll meet, especially out here, I meet some people, and they're like, oh, like I have this many, you know, we all debate and compete against who has cooler ones and things like that, which is also a lot of fun. Same kind of hobby. But it's, uh, yeah, I've always kind of been into it. Um, for two years, I had a lake house um, that I had a shooting range right out my back door, um, which really got me hooked a lot on it. So, um, yeah, so get another. Oh, get, get another drink, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you're beating me now. I mean, yeah. You've I'm... been behind since the start of this interview, <laughs> but um, we're discussing drinks now. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so I've always really been into that. Um, and I just have a lot of fun doing it. So growing up, I had a, we had a yellow lab that was a, like an absolute amazing championship hunting dog. Um, and so got into hunting and things like that. And the cookies it's a normal night. This is the typical bar yeah, menu. I, have, I have the menus memorized, by the, the way. Menu. They just run in the back of my head. <laughs> so... Um, Are, will you take off, so as, your, as the full-time instructor here, will you take off sometime in the winter, or do you have any plans for the winter? Because we're coming up on so the last month here. Technically, I am. I'm still working all winter. Uh, we're come up with new programs and um, kind of develop new things and keep moving forward, try to reach out to, to members. I, one of my big things is we used to actually do a lot of, like, try to come up with events during the winter. So we used to go and do dinners in the city, We've done a couple distillery tours and things oh, like wow. that. So I'd like to start bringing those things back, kind of trying to get more of those social things. How that's going to go this year, I have no idea. But reaching out to people um, and kind of trying to keep that those different things kind of going and making things interesting for next year, I'll be working on that. So We, we one of the f funnest, is that a word, funnest? I don't know if that's that a go word. Go for it. One of the more funner, more funner, most funner things that we did, we came out for. Thank you. Is there uh, any cookie dough back Four there? cookies for dessert. Thank you. That is very is sweet. Is it a choice of each? And, and one of each. One of each. <laughs> we have the I'll let you take peanut the first butter, part. macadamia, <laughs> sugar, and chocolate chip. What's your favorite, Maddie? Oh, my goodness. My favorite's the chocolate chip, but only when they're gooey. Yeah, we want the cookie dough. We've discussed we, we, have, we have discussed the fact that we want cookie <laughs> like dough, basically. Cookie, like, cookie yeah. Dough. I like them 
I like them cold. Like, just take that and put that in yeah, the refrigerator. Yeah, demand them. You, I feel like we just, everybody just wants a little thing of cookie dough. Yeah. And we'll be good. <laughs> you want me to go freeze them for you? That I can was, put them in the freezer. That so, no, that's, no, that's very kind of you, but no. Yes, thank you. These all things. actually look perfectly underdone. We got some know, good I'm service pick, tonight. Pick you picked the good ones? All right, yeah. thank you. <laughs> the important people get the good cookies. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, more funner. We came out here for a rally cross, and we couldn't rally cross because it was a slimy mess. And... We opened up the, the paddock here for an autocross. I remember that one. Oh my gosh, there were so many people here because you didn't have to have a rally cross car to come for that autocross. And, you know, my son in the rally car had, I can't, 50 runs that day. My wife and her Cayman had a gazillion runs. Nothing beat Brian Helmetoller putting that car that he had that Cavalier on two wheels the entire time. And it was just hilarious to watch him run. Well, everybody goes star crazy in the winter. It, it is one of those weird things. Like, like I said, I've met some of my best friends out here from growing up out here. And for a while, we kind of had this younger group of like, we had a group chat that was like some of the younger guys out here for years. And, and we would at least go and hang out. We'd do dinners in the winter and stuff like that. And now it's like, why don't we do that with every, everybody wants to hang yes. out with the same people. Yeah. And, it, and if it's not here, you go out to dinner and things, but just really connecting those people together, making people have their own kind of people where they're hanging out, making their groups and getting them to learn like, oh, like make some friends out here. You're going to go and have a lot of fun wherever right. you go. And But if we can do that as part of the club too and say, hey, you know, here's our fun thing to go and do, that I think would be really cool. And... And it's like we do the cool, like, okay, let's do, we're getting tequila this weekend. We did bourbon last weekend. But if we can go and be like, hey, we're going to put a club together, go check these things out, that will be really cool as well. I agree. And I think some, some part of the members need to take some a bit of ownership on their own to say, hey, I'm going to go to these bourbon nights. I'm going to go to the tequila night. I'm going to go to Clay's and cocktails. I'm going to go to these things to meet people and just find you, find me, find the producer, Mark McFarland, and, and introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm here. What can I do? How can I have fun? How can I meet more people? Because that will change how you interact and how much you utilize the club. The club's not inexpensive, so use it to the most that you can, I think, to huh? the, the greatest extent possible. Speaking of which... <clears throat> the group, which I had a blast, sim racing. So you were an avid member of the Autobahn Country Club I sim have racing. A, everybody likes the sim that I get to use. And, and so I, I had put more use on that sim, the first sim race, than I had ever put on it in like nine months of being able to use it. Like, I just didn't use it. I was doing it as practice by myself, and it wasn't very fun. And, it, well, it was fun, and all my friends think it's awesome. It is awesome. But I've been there. You gave me a tour. Yeah, you let me run it. It's quite the sim. Uh, I'll share it with anybody that comes up and actually asks me. If you introduce yourself to me and you're listening to the podcast, we might let you come and try it. Or we'll let you try the Audubon one as well, because we do have an Audubon sim that we use for training. Very cool. But anyways, back to that. So... 
I didn't really use it that much. And uh, to me, there, I was like, oh, learn the track and things like that. And then I got into it, and I was like, oh, like it is very much, you got to focus a lot more than you think. You get on it, you think it's just a game, and you're like, okay, I can just do whatever. It's like Xbox. But then the people that were coming, and we had a group of guys, and there was, fantastic. you were part of the group yeah, chat, right? Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it was a little ridiculous because there's, I think we had a, a literal, like, iPhone text message group chat that had, I think at the beginning it probably had 60, and people very quickly left because it was 40, because you could not look at your phone for an hour and then have, like, 250 <laughs> missed text messages. Right. <laughs> so it was a little hard to have on your phone, but it was a really good group of people, and it introduced a lot of people from different types of racing. So it was a lot of fun. But, but yeah, it was, that was, it was a very fun thing, and it was cool to see how me even, like, I, I thought I was, like, pretty good at things and, like, you got people like young people for this. Screw you, Sean Varwig, <laughs> that are young and they just kick kick butt on it because all they do is nothing, sit around and play nothing, five nothing, different video games at a time all the do. time. <laughs> so yes, if you're interested in sim racing, as I've mentioned the last couple podcasts, reach out to me podcast at audubonsc.com. See me here at the club. See Ben. Figure out how to get involved. Get on the group chat. I don't like group chat. I don't like group chats in my family. Well, you guys stayed off of, we had the Discord and the group chat. You were never on, were you on the Discord? Absolutely. Okay. So, 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 so to explain again, you can go back and listen to some other podcasts that kind of detail this. The only group chat that I've never dropped out of, ever, is the Audubon Country Club unofficial sim, sim racing. racing chat, whatever we're going to call it, we're going to call that group. There's a lot of beep talking and that's yeah i beat myself out on that so, so you only have tony custers now to beep out so, <laughs> <laughs> um but it was I, I gotta be honest i'm really looking forward to the end of the season when the sim racing starts again i mean i would go down for dinner and my and my lovely wife would say do you ever don't you have a race tonight oh yeah i got a race tonight and she would hand me a beer this is drinking and driving I'm she would have there you go she would hand me a beer and i'd go up to our sim and I would have a blast, and I would come down, and she'd go, well, how did it go? How did you, you know, tell me, what, tell me all about it. You'd have a beer, then go into it? I was drinking during it. I mean, I'd be before all right, we're on the same page. There was definitely a group of people, by the way, <laughs> to anybody listening, that had some fun while doing it. Oh, it was, it was, I'm really looking forward to it, really looking forward to it. And we're building a new, uh, we're going to go to Florida in the winters from now on to do uh, karting and racing in the winter. I don't know why, because... I, this I, has to I go need a break, with but. the do as we say, not as we do right. kind of things. Apparently. But I still think that there should be a non-official. This is not affiliated with anything. Um, this is John's podcast now, not the whatever club that was podcast. But you have to have the, the sober uh, top scores, and then you have to have the drinking top scores <laughs> on, a, on a track uh, for, for sim racing. I still and I'll tell you, I'll also teach you not to do it. <laughs> That's right, that's right. But I, I think I mentioned this last time. The last show was, remember the guy, the random guy that just showed up and started running into people? It was at, it was at Road well, America. Well, we had a couple of open ones. Yeah, it was like op, uh, at Road America, no one put a password on the group to get into this race. And again, I can explain all this to you if you want to reach out to me. But So there's no password to get in, and some random guy is on there, and he's like running into people. And it was awesome because you had... Everybody had a good time. You had no... It was the funnest race because you had no idea that wild card 
of what exactly was going to happen. Well, and it's one of those things, too. It's exactly <laughs> like what the club is, because what happened was is there was a group of us through the group chat that were practicing every night of the week. And we would run two, three hours. I mean, it was during the right, pandemic, right. so we would run two, right. three hours a night, and we would just run a whole bunch. And we were the people that ended up getting good. And actually, and if you looked at the leaderboards, it was always us up kind of up towards yep, the front. Yep. Not me. And then every, like everybody else would just show up just for the race. They'd crash and then either quit or just like be at the back. Because you had and to practice. Like you do have to practice. You have to practice. And then the other funny thing is, is that, and this really ties into the club, and what's fun about running out here is that you get to know who you're running around. You're like, what's this person going to do? And it's the same thing on the real track, is that it's a really safe place to race at Autobahn because it's like, you know, kind of, you're running around the same guys. If you've been doing Spec Miata for a while, it's like your qualifying time and stuff, you know who you're going to be starting around. There's a group of five or five guys in front of you and five guys probably behind you that you've run with a few times over the course and, and door to door with, you know, and things like that. And so you can really see, like, okay, who am I running with? And the sim thing kind of did become that. I was like, is this guy going to put me off here, or is he actually going to break? Because <laughs> there especially it really showed some good driving for him because it's like, yeah, you can write the car off, but are you going to give me the turn, or are you not going to give me the turn? <laughs> it was so much fun. It was, it, it was fun. I can't wait to build our new, our new what I'm calling our Florida sim. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And looking forward to having just a great, a great winter with all my pals that – you know, that we can be wherever we are and get on this chat and talk and get help and have fun and laugh. And it was, it was a blast. It was a blast. Well, so what else do we need to cover? What else? Are, I think so. Yeah, this is, we've covered, we've covered the beginning to up to, up to speed right now. I think there's no more cars going on the track. They're cleaning it off right now. It looks like we've eaten, I'm full. We've eaten almost all the cheese curds, half the cookies, and almost all the pretzel. I was going to get like a full meal after this. What, what was I thinking? I have no idea what I was thinking. I don't know. And uh, you still have half a drink left. I also have an empty one here. I have. You have a full a, drink. Because she brought you drink, another one. Well, quarter drink. Quarter drink. Look, I check feel it like out. You, you hit, no, that was your other one. Mm mm. Oh. I'm still, too, I'm, still, I'm still ahead of you on drink numbers, though. I am that's still ahead true. Of you on that's two counts. Moscow mules. And, uh, she took one of mine. Then she... So, yes, you're winning. Yeah, yeah, yes, I, I get it. I get it. I got to catch, catch, catch up. Um, Let's keep you focused here. <laughs> Sometimes that's difficult. <laughs> I'm more focused now. Maybe I should drink every podcast. I'm more focused now. Yeah. Especially when I'm talking to Kyle. Kyle's the one who distracts me all the time. I wonder if it would throw him off actually having a drink. Hmm. No, right. Maybe he's he would very focus. Hyper, like, right. Yeah, and he's, he's all over the place. He might, he he might, might stay focused on, on message. Yeah. Maybe we should start every podcast we should do. Producer Mark is... Um, or you just give everybody one of like Peggy's like huge pasta plates or something, and then they're just like slowing down, tired. And I almost had the pasta. I was going to eat the pasta tonight, but I that's know, I was tempted with the pasta. It's too late. Um, Producer Mark's son, Spencer, is the lead in A Midsummer Night, the Shakespeare play, in the park for his high school. Otherwise, he wanted to be here for this part of this interview because if there's drinking and car talk, he's usually right there. But uh, 
uh, young Spencer, kart racer, uh, doing quite well. You let well on there. like you were saying that Spencer wanted to be here for the drinking, and I was very confused no, for a minute there. No, I was Spencer's like, why did he father, want to be? Spencer's father, <laughs> father, father wanted to be here. Yes, yes. Some, sometimes I think he's drinking when we talk. But anyway, um, I hear ice. I think one time he was, I could hear ice in the glass. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like sleigh bells. Wow. It's almost like sleigh bells. Christmas is coming. That's right. Winter is coming. That's right. Winter is coming. Yeah. Nice. Well played. Uh, ben, thanks so much for being on a podcast. Maybe we'll do another one someday. We better do another one because we got a couple inside stories there, but I think you... You literally have the dirt on everybody around here, don't you? I know some things around here. <laughs> <laughs> I was in pretty present. Like in on that note. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time on the Audubon Country Club podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was a good You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.